We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Best Best Ball Podcast. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at OverTomorrowland. A little bit of a crossover here as we get ready to finish out the draft I did with Sean Siegel. We're doing our Road of His Overtime Draft. We'll be talking about this hopefully as the season goes on. Of course, if the team is plummeting uh, to the depths of despair, we won't be uh, talking through how it's doing. But uh, hopefully with the drafts we do now over the next uh, two months or so, we'll have some very successful lineups going into those latter weeks of the season. That is the goal. Um, so we will be touching on those from time to time. But Sean joined me for this draft. It was a, a lot of fun. We did have some areas where we didn't fully uh, probably agree on, but um, that's something that I like about our show. It's not always just that we're agreeing with each other 100% on, on all different elements. And um, I, I learned, obviously, a lot from talking through that process with Sean on uh, each and every Road of His Overtime podcast we do. But it's always fun doing that live on the clock as you'll have heard through those first three editions of this kind of draft that uh, have come out over the last week or so but on today's one we're going to be doing a little bit of a recap see what we could change if we you know if we had a magic wand see what maybe would be a little bit different versus you know picking at the start of the rounds versus the end of the rounds and so on and so forth so i'm going to go straight into the recap and uh, hopefully you're going to enjoy this i'll be back on the other side to close things out Uh, let's get into the, the conversation Sean, the, we can take a, a deep breath now. That was uh, pretty rapid, um, picking at the turn there, trying to get those picks in. Um, you know, I, I was happy when I seen we were picking at spot 11, um, but I think if you're doing these recorded drafts, maybe <laughs> spot six is it's a nice landing spot to give you that time between picks. But we, we got there in the end, and looking at the draft board now, I had a quick uh, look through some of the other teams, and um, I pretty, pretty liked, the, or I liked the look of uh, how things ended up here for us. Um, what's your kind of instant reaction to to how things went there? Yeah, I was also excited to get a pick toward the end because I, I have been you know toward the early te- toward the middle. Uh, have some Waller, have some Tyree Kill. Hill was obviously not going to get to us uh, regardless, probably, but he was picked. Number Shout three out Hill, Hill went at spot Hill went at spot three in this draft. He did, and I think that's closer to where his value should be. Uh, ben and I also talked a little bit about running backs and running back profiles and the direction the NFL is going. I'm probably going to have some content in the near future about 
the rise of the Uber back and if it was a little bit more of a historical fluke, if we're actually going to see this continue. I really feel like Christian McCaffrey right now is the only back that we can convincingly say is worthy of a first round pick. And I know that a lot of people are going to push back against that, but you look what Dalvin cook did last year and everything was almost perfect for him. You look at Derek Henry, uh, definitely perfect for him. Maybe with the exception of that snow game against your Packers, you look at Alvin Kamara and the situation really does change. If you lose Drew Brees, you know, all we have to do is look at Philip Rivers and the relationship that he has with his running backs with the dump off passes. It's going to be a different ball game for him and for that Saints offense. Jonathan Taylor, you know, we love, uh, but he's got the week 14 by. And then there are some questions. I mean, I, you were mentioning Carson Wentz, a potential bounce back player of the year. I wouldn't discount that possibility. And we've seen him play too well in the past. He'll likely get better coaching. He'll be behind a better offensive line. But anytime an NFL player has played as poorly as he's played for as long as he's played, then I have some real concerns. And so I think that Indianapolis may not be as favorable as we think that it is. But especially when you're talking about a first round of that week 14 buy is, is a deal breaker here. You look at Elliott following, that's an interesting spot for him to fall to in nine. You look at Austin Eckler at 10. Eckler in some ways could be the next Alvin Kamara. And so I, I wouldn't discount that as a first round pick. But when you're looking at someone who historically has created the vast amount of his production through the air, I just, again, I, I like these receiving backs when they're less expensive. And so, you know, I don't remotely think that like Tarek Cohen is going to score the same number of points as Austin Eckler, but you look at their trajectories, you look at their values over their careers. The right guy to buy was always the one who was less expensive, right? That doesn't necessarily encounter or take into consideration last year fully because Cohen gets hurt. But, you know, I just don't like to pay that first round pick for someone who isn't a 10 expected points as a rusher 10 expected points as a receiver so then we get to our pick with saquon barkley and we know that he's falling to this point because there are concerns about his ability to play a full 17 games his ability to be ready for week one uh just even if he is ready for week one is he that same guy that he was a couple of seasons ago as a rookie when he puts up the monster 300 plus point season but i think you have to take a little bit of the risk that he is you know if you're going to take a running back in the first round He's probably the riskiest pick in the first round, but he's also the only one other than McCaffrey that I think has the, you know, more than sort of a long shot chance to be the real, really to be the guy who pays off, right? And these other guys, you can see a scenario for Barkley. All he has to do is be healthy really. And then he's that guy. So, you know, maybe health is more important than all of those other things, but we decided to take the plunge there. Uh, Maybe he gets even cheaper, right? If it becomes, clear that he's not going to be ready for the start of the season but i like taking that risk and then it's interesting antonio gibson someone who continues to rise continues to rise continues to rise uh he might also be the only other guy and it it feels weird when you're talking about someone who you know a month ago is available at the round two three turn to be saying well he's the only other person who really is worthy of that first round pick but gibson clyde edwards alaire at the one, two turn with the 12th and 13th overall picks. I think that's sneaky brilliant as opposed to uh, something that should be criticized for the reach. Yeah. I think, you know, the upside for both of those guys to hit is, is huge. 
um what i would have probably done then with that team in particular i probably would have passed um, when when Hunt was the selection for them, uh, probably would have passed there. But uh, really strong team overall um, for for Team Twelve, and uh, it was pretty. Um, There's a bit of a, <laughs> it was a quick turnaround each time making those picks, so um, put a little bit of pressure on us as well making those selections. But at the time on the clock, I would have been happy to take Diggs um, at the eleventh spot and to to have Barkley there and then get digs as well and the second round i think sets that up really nicely went and then with uh, hawkinson uh, then etn then Ayuk, then fant then boyd then gesicki then marquise brown i think um we, we have have quite a bit of uh, upside there i think when we're when we're looking through those picks i think you often talk about players who if you drafted in week six or week seven where would those guys be i think there's some of the, some of those tight ends, I think, particularly in the FFPC format, could could creep up quite a bit. Um, I, I like kind of the the upside of those guys, a lot of youth as well, I suppose. So the the opportunity for them to take that step forward is is there probably outside of Boyd, who we know is going undervalued again this year. Yeah, and the question that I would ask you, because we always want to look at the draft and, and try and figure out if it had played out just slightly differently, what would we have done? How would we have adjusted? And so in this particular draft, there don't appear to be a lot of great tight end values after the eighth round, in part because we took three early and in part because the team drafting out of the third slot also took three in a row with Logan Thomas, Tyler Higby, and Irv Smith in rounds six, seven, and eight. One of the things that we discussed, and I think that it, it did make sense, and I think uh, that if we had been willing to risk Boyd or if Gesicki hadn't been the pick at the 802 to where it didn't really matter that much if judy came back around then the smart play would have been to select judy and then hope for boyd to come back around as you mentioned at the time much more likely if we had gone that direction and it had been judy boyd how would we have addressed that third tight end would you have wanted to having taken hawkinson advance early i would have still wanted a third tight end but it would have been you know if you look at the guys after that then um, there's a lot of uh, uncertainty you know there is you know if we get into the 12th round there's guys there like Ertz um, you know who still needs to <laughs> be cut and then move teams but he, he could be interesting you know especially if he ended up in somewhere like Buffalo for example um, I, I do think Gronk is going a little bit undervalued I, I'm not really trying to get much of him but I think he probably should be going uh, how he finished last season a little bit higher Um obviously up in the air with the the situation of tight end and the depth chart still with with the Buccaneers, but the other player going in that range that I'm quite interested in is Cole Komet. Um, I think he's kind of an interesting play, but I do think once you get past you know that Gasecki range, you, you get into Troutman and Tonyan. Um, you know, if you're stuck, I, I still think you could go with Robert Tonyan. But I think the way we ended up playing it worked out for us. I think if we had a but Boyd and Judy, we would be maybe a little bit happier with our wide receivers. But I think we, where we took Brown, we probably would have made a reach on another um, another tight end. If we look at who we had after that, then we went to Lawrence. So I, I think at the time it wasn't what we were hoping for, but I think it, it probably played out, John, um, a little bit better for us. The one thing you mentioned about making adjustments, the one thing with this draft was there was quite a number of times where we were hoping for a player to come to us at that pick and a number of times 
one or two picks before we missed out on them and um, so that made us kind of change very quick so i feel that we probably had some worst case scenario things during the draft which made us adapt so i think if i was looking the things i probably would have done differently would we have the you know the guys drafting one or two picks ahead of us not pick our, our guys but that's uh that's not really possible so i think for how some of those players went ahead of when we were hoping to get them um you know i, I would have liked to get rondell more that time but i think taking daniel jones now gives us that upside um so the the ones that we missed out on actually i think have helped with the build yeah and, and we know that that's going to happen the players are going to go ahead of us there if we select more and we pick Daniel Jones as he comes back around. Then instead of having Philip Lindsay, we have to address that a little bit later. Perhaps that's not a big deal because we did have running backs in the last round we were interested in. But I like the way that it went. I, I just think that Gesicki as the tight end there in the eighth round is just a, a no-brainer pick. I, I think that he's a mid-seventh round kind of guy. I know that his ADP is a little bit lower than that. But when you have a shot to get him, I, I think that you just have to gobble him up there. And the Boyd versus Judy selection for me comes down a little bit to making sure that in drafts where I don't get Higgins, I want to have Boyd. And so yeah. we're able to balance that out. Brandon Ayuk might be the only player where there's a little bit of a concern for me in terms of how that offense is going to run. At the same time, uh, if not for the possibility that he'll labor through a developmental season for Trey Lance, I mean, Brian Ayuk is someone who could legitimately go where C.D. Lamb is going. And so you're getting a full two-round discount on that. So from that perspective, again, you're just getting a lot of value. Hey, Rotoviz Radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12-month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021. And you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If I, if I was picking this and I could just put the players exactly where I wanted to have them, I think I'd probably swap out... Um, I would have swapped out Lamb for Hawkinson. Lamb would one pick ahead of Hawkinson. And then I would have taken 
well, we might the the person picking twelfth uh, took Amari Cooper and Mark Andrews, so we could have we would either got Mark Andrews or Hawkinson. Um, we also looked there at possibly taking uh, the two tight ends if Andrews got back to us, which would have been interesting. I think if that would have happened, we would have then obviously had an option um, in those two picks for Fant and Gasecki. But if we look at what went in that range. I don't think that we would have really benefited that much based on how it played out. And I think having ET in there has also boosted the the overall roster. So yeah, the the Ayuk one, um ideally we would have got T Higgins who went four picks ahead and luck if Lamar Jackson hadn't went off the board, we would have taken him, which would then would have freed us up uh, a little bit then, you know, later at the quarterback position. But I, I'm pretty happy with how those quarterbacks worked out. We were one or two picks away from having kind of some dream scenarios you know if we had got Rondell Moore over Daniel Jones and we got Lamar Jackson over Brandon Ayuk I think like you know I would take the 2v2 that we didn't get but um I think overall pretty pretty strong um you know it'll be interesting to see how the draft boards change throughout the offseason but I'm, I'm pretty happy with it uh, looking around there's a, a couple of teams with with quite uh, weak um tight end positions I guess we would, we would say um when we look at it like say for example sean team two i know we're looking at our team but for me if you get kelsey as your tight end at the the second spot and then you hold off to the 16th 17th round to get moali cox and jordan akins like i think the benefit of taking kelsey there is to really try and double down on the tight end position would you know is that the way you would look at it as well or would you be happy to hold off that long and, and hope to just run the season with kelsey yeah i i mean i think one of the values of Kelsey is that he gives you multiple shots to really hit a tight end who is going to score a ton. And we know that when you put several of these elite tight ends together, then your team becomes almost unstoppable. And so uh, I like taking more of them. The issue I think for that team, which is one that drafters do run into if they have a pick in the top half is where is he going to actually take that pick? Because, you know, Pitts goes ahead of him in round three, which, I mean, I'm as optimistic as the next person on Pitts, but that really prices in almost all of the potential value there. Then you have Hawkinson and Andrews going before he would pick in round four. You have Goddard and Logan Thomas going before he would pick in round six. Uh, Higby in round seven, you know, with the... You're having to reach, yeah. You really well, the weapons reach. that the Rams have and even the potential backup tight end that they have, it's difficult to see Higby as a guy who really has gone through a very minimal stretch of fantasy relevance in his career. It's difficult to see him paying off at that position, even with a huge upgrade at quarterback. That's not to say that it's impossible because we have seen him have a good stretch and really for all of these players or for players drafted in the first, say 13 rounds, you can see a a fairly straightforward scenario in which they would do well, but For those guys in the first 13 rounds, draft the guy in round 13 as opposed to the guy in round seven. Now, you know, that that is around the range that Higby tends to go. So I'm a little bit in the minority there. But then Gasicki obviously goes before his round eight pick, as does Smith. Evan Ingram, someone who now, in addition to demonstrating some skill deficiencies, is more surrounded by other weapons. And so can he get the volume? You know, and then then you're already into the Adam Troutman, Robert Tanyan kind of group. And so I can understand it happening in this draft because the tight ends don't really fall into a position where there's a, a no-brainer selection, at least in the first 10 rounds. 
Yeah, no, that 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 makes sense. Um, but overall, um, looking back at it, I think I think it's a you know it's a pretty pretty steady draft. I think it's it's worked out pretty well. So hopefully, it, it takes us on a, a little bit of a run this season. We'll we'll keep we'll keep probably talking about it on on road of his overtime to see how it's going. But um, should should be a fun one. So um, uh, let's let's hope it goes well. Yeah, and this this is a fun team, and and I like the guys that we have. I would just ask you before we leave in terms of these late round running backs, if Darrington Evans had lasted a couple more picks and made it to that slot where we took Gio Bernard, we didn't talk a lot about him, but he hadn't quite got to the range that we were looking at. I would have really liked him in round 15 if he had gotten back to that pick. Yeah. He's somebody who I have been, I've been targeting like that. We had a list there of guys who, they are the the guys that I'm drafting. You know, we got Lindsay, we got Bernard, we got Penny. Uh, Evans is on that list for me as well. A um, lot of uh, nice values there, you know, when we get to those kind of zero RB candidates. So, yeah, interested in them. Fits that big gap profile as well. You know, Derek Henry uh, running back four in terms of ADP in this draft. And then you're you're looking at running back 54. So my, my one thing with Evans is I don't know if there's a huge amount of standalone value um but with henry like maybe henry he looks like he's unbreakable the way (laughs) the way his body is built but you know at some point i think these carries are going to catch up with them and if they do um it's going to give somebody a shot and i think evans is is first in line for that um so i I do like that though Lindsay's probably the guy that i'm most heavily going after and then penny's probably the one out of those four guys that i have second most off but uh targeting all four of those guys and uh you know, full disclosure, the other guy that I probably have more ownership than uh, I, I thought I would have is James Connor, but that's that's a good bit earlier. Um, just to touch on that, we he, he never got near us, but I'm just in, interested in your thoughts. Uh, is he somebody you're targeting at that point, or is he somebody you're avoiding based on the, the situation in Arizona? No, I think the two picks that you have to be looking to make all the time are Zach Moss and James Connor. I'm not clear on why they're going where they're going. Now, one of the things that we're seeing is, is that they are creeping up. So drafters are starting to realize that mm. their ADPs don't make sense. Moss goes at the 803 in this draft. And so, you know, just the report that he could take over the offense. I don't even know that that's news exactly. I mean, that's exactly what you would what expect. When you say that a second round, or I mean, a second year back, who was drafted because he is a big back with some pass catching ability, uh, probably a just a very similar player to David Montgomery. Similar strengths, similar weaknesses. You know, he's going to break some tackles, but then he's not going to really go anywhere. At the same time, there is some value to that at the NFL level, and you know, Devin Singletary, I also think is a good pick. I think that the idea that the bills pass on every play is a theme that is overstated as it relates to what the upside is for these guys in fantasy and so moss going earlier and earlier is is something i would continue to expect to happen and then connor as well we don't like to chase running backs who have gotten kind of into the middle of their career and have had some injuries but the lack of willingness really for the cardinals for the most part to go to Edmonds last year when Kenyon Drake was bad, right? I mean, he scores touchdowns because he kept getting carries from the one-yard line. But, 
you know, he's not a starting NFL running back. And yet Edmonds was not given the opportunity to go there. Could that change this season? I mean, do you sometimes look back after the year and, and realize, well, you know, obviously we, we didn't do it properly. Once you have the chance to go back and look at everything, take accountability uh, and make new decisions, then, then sometimes you do go that route. And his pass catching upside does give him some standalone value. But I would think that those guys should be in a more similar range. Now, it, it may be that the Cardinals are very set on Edmonds, in which case these ADPs make sense. But Connor would appear to have more standalone value than his ADP indicates when you consider that the upside, should anything happen to Edmonds or should Connor win the uh, should Connor win the starting job outright, which is something that w- we've seen Arizona do, right? I mean, David Johnson goes into the season. He's the guy. He gets hurt. He comes back. He looks terrible. Kenyon Drake is giving them a little bit of a shot in the arm in that season, and they essentially put David Johnson just completely on the bench. And so, you know, is that the most likely scenario? Probably not. But when we're looking at guys who could absolutely crush where they're going – I just don't think that there's as big a gap between James Conner last year when he's a second, third turn type of pick to where he is now. And one of the things that we know with these running backs, again, is this idea that your running back in the first couple of rounds needs to have that 23 to 27 point upside, or you need to be taking guys when they're less expensive. And so, you know, we're looking at these depth charts, who's undervalued, who based on the likelihood of the season playing out in a variety of different ways is not being priced with what his opportunity really is. And so I, I think that we see Connor as that type of player. Now, we know that we're not going to hit on as many guys in rounds 9, 10, 11 as we would if we picked guys in the first, second, and third rounds. But the relationship of their value to the wide receivers early is such that you have to be very sure that that running back has the fantasy scoring profile that makes him worth that pick. And that is going to do it for today's show. Hopefully you've enjoyed the entire experience of listening into the, the three draft episodes and then the recap. It's been a lot of fun to do them. Um, you know, drafting with Sean Seal is, uh, is something of a, a pleasure. So hopefully you've enjoyed this. This, this draft uh, for the listeners behind the scenes did come together a little bit uh you know last minute i guess you know i, I kind of had the urge to to draft uh, this past weekend and uh, so I, I dropped sean a message to see if he was interested and um, we actually uh, got on the clock uh, and got on the you know on to record i would say um you know a couple of uh, seconds maybe before that round one started so we ha- we obviously know the players we can attend to like we have our draft boards and we share them with each other and um, we went from there but pretty rapidly came together but hopefully you've enjoyed it I-, I think the team's quite pretty well like a number of the elements of it of course if you're enjoying the show drop us a five-star review in your favorite podcast app and as always, as a loyal podcast listener, you can get yourself 10% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass. All you have to do is add the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout or go to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. Uh, you know, I can't, I, again, I'm biased, but uh, I think it's uh, one of the best subscriptions out there to get your teams in shape for your upcoming fantasy seasons. Until we're back with some more shows of the Road of His Best Ball show, we will have a couple more of these coming out, I think, to wrap things up between myself and Zach. A couple of episodes left to uh, go through. Um, but hopefully you've enjoyed the couple of drafts we've done. We've done three of them now uh, between myself and Zach, myself and Sean, and then Sean and Zach. So hopefully you've enjoyed that 
content a little bit uh, of an insight into what we're doing while on the draft board uh, of course we'll have more road of his overtime podcast coming up where you can hear myself and sean talking as well so check those out if you haven't already um but of course until we are back with another edition of the show or of course if you're listening to your next episode of road of his radio that you hopefully are going to enjoy hit that subscribe button drop us a five-star review and until we talk again have a good one 